I view music as something that brings healing to the world and it's an opportunity to bring beauty and calm and peace and comfort to people. In the early years, I played the piano, it turns out, by ear. I was hearing things and playing, but in the third grade, I had a teacher who discovered that and promptly worked very hard to get me to stop doing that and insisted that I learn to read the music, which was a very painful process at the time. Whatever you're going through now, you can use it. You can learn from the bad as well as from the good. And not to pin your self-worth on whether you missed two notes, you know. Focus on connecting with your audience, connecting from the heart, and you'll be okay. In this week's episode, I speak with music director, musical educator, and professional musician, Laurie Dubois. During our conversation, she enlightened me on her philosophy of music, her journey of navigating the field, and what she aspires to do with her talents next. All that will be coming up just after this. You're listening to the Uniquely Eugene podcast, a show dedicated to highlighting the unique stories, ideas, and perspectives of the people living right here in our community of Eugene, Oregon. Here's your host, Anthony Che. First things first, I'll allow my guest to introduce herself. My name is Laura Dubois, and I am a music director and a piano teacher and a professional musician. Laura and I began our conversation discussing both her introduction to music as well as growing up in Texas. She discusses living in Dallas throughout her childhood, her collegiate studies, and her journey of finding her passion for music. I was born in a place where I spent very little time in Ogden, Utah, but I spent all of my childhood in Texas and then uh, also went to undergraduate school in University of North Texas in Denton. Uh, I grew up in Dallas and then I went to graduate school in Miami, Florida and spent 13 years of my life there. Then I went up to New Jersey and spent another 15 years and taught at the university level and um, continued my musical career and had a family and eventually made my way out west to Oregon. Awesome. Um, when you were growing up, uh, what were you like? Like, how was it going through school and, um, you know, kind of finding music? I loved music from the very beginning. My mother even found a video of me at one year old when I could barely walk, um, toddling over to the piano and playing on the keys. And my mother was actually my first piano teacher when I was five years old. I still remember that day. I was so eager and excited. I didn't want the lesson to end. I've always, always loved music. And my parents were very supportive of my musical studies. Nice. That's that's awesome that you had such a supportive... um you know, background. I was very blessed with that because many people I know who love music had families that were worried about Mm -hmm. that as a career, but not in my case. That's great. Yeah. Um, Did it come naturally to you or did you really have to like work at it? And how did you find, what was the learning curve like when you were trying to, you know, first start with music? In the early years, I 
played the piano, it turns out, by ear. I was hearing things and playing. But in the third grade, I had a teacher who discovered that and promptly worked very hard to get me to stop doing that and insisted that I learn to read the music, which was a very painful process at the time. And I stopped playing by ear until, as an adult, I eventually had jobs that required me to improvise um, meditative music during church services. And and now I've come full circle, and I love playing again somewhat by ear, although I'm much stronger at reading mm-hmm. sheet music. Gotcha. Yeah. But music did, playing the piano always came easily to me in that sense. Mm-hmm. Although in my classical studies, of course, the repertoire is so demanding that I don't think it comes easily for anyone. It requires tons and tons of work. Yeah, it seems like it's also um, fairly high pressure as well because, I don't know, people that I've seen who are my peers going through um, the music program at UVO, they're always like, oh, like I've got this really like big um, audition or, you know, like they have like assessments, it seems like. Um, Did you have any like struggles or hardships going through anything like that absolutely and that's one thing that i'm so happy i've come to a different place in my life because i did go through all those college years and even when i was teaching in a college of that that extreme pressure especially now with technology when every single performance is online you are under the microscope and we tend to many classical musicians tend to be perfectionists And I tied in my self-worth to that, and my whole life revolved around reaching that high level and being impressive. And I'm so at the opposite end of that now, and it's a joyful place to be. I view music as something that brings healing to the world, and it's an opportunity to bring beauty and calm and peace and comfort to people. And it doesn't matter if it's technically perfect what matters to me is if it comes from the heart Mm -hmm. and that resonates so much more with audiences Mm -hmm. I find as well and um, so I I wish if people could I think everybody has to go through that period of where you are feeling the pressure and you you want to impress people but if the sooner you can get to the point where you realize it's not about you but you become a conduit for the beauty of music to flow through you mm-hmm. and bring that that healing to the community that's that's when you reach a place of that's much more comfortable and full of joy not to say that I don't work hard I still work very 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 hard but I don't put that pressure on myself like I used to. Laura made a great point of separating oneself from their performances. In this next portion of our interview, she details her beliefs around teaching music as well as her own experiences of receiving musical education. I think as a musical director, I think most of my team would agree that we aspire to very high levels. And so there can be that sense of pressure. I'm going to ask of them things that demand a lot of practice and a lot of precision and we're really going to work hard and in rehearsals I'm going to come down hard on them Mm -hmm. to try to help everybody rise up to the level that is the highest that they can be. Mm -hmm. However, when it comes to the actual performance, then we let go of that and then we just try to connect from the heart to our audiences. Gotcha. And that's a pretty good combination. Yeah, it seems, yeah. I mean, it seems like it would be. It's also an attitude of teaching through positive reinforcement rather Mm -hmm. than negative. That is something throughout my entire teaching career. I've witnessed firsthand how much better the results are when you use positive reinforcement. You're honest, but you still 
find the good and help bring out the good and build confidence that way. And then it makes working on the weaker parts much easier as opposed to shaming or frightening Mm -hmm. someone so much that they're a terrified mess. As a teacher of music and as a musician, I think it's wonderful to evaluate each situation. For instance, when I'm teaching, I will change my approach, or as as a musical director, Mm -hmm. I will totally change my approach as is needed for the person that I'm working with. And the same thing with the music that I play will totally change depending on what the people are wanting to hear. And so I think the more we can stay fluid and open, the better off we are. And also constantly to learn. I am always happy to have opportunities to expand my skills. And now with um, the, the Internet, it's amazing the variety of performances that you can study online and the courses you can even take online. So to keep practicing, keep opening yourself to new situations, keep learning. Um, was what were your teachers like um, go, growing up? So obviously your mom. I mean, maybe you could start with your mom talking about how she taught you, and then you know what were your teachers like? I um, my mom, bless her heart, she taught me for one year, and then realized that I she needed to find some other teachers, and I took in this public school system for a year, and then after that I had a different teacher for every year for quite quite a few years and then finally settled in into having a, a regular teacher throughout high school and I went to a high school for the arts in Dallas and um, I have to say I was blessed with teachers that were both demanding but also positive and in college uh, as well but when I went to graduate school I did have a teacher that was not as positive and the students of this teacher all actually formed together to form a support group for each other because it was a very trying experience. Mm -hmm. But I think we can learn from those experiences, especially if you're a professional musician, chances are you're also going to teach. And it's very important that you see what you don't want to do as well as what you do want to do. Yeah. So I did have that negative experience in graduate school, but I actually found another teacher to study with on the side and it all worked out okay. And, you know, like, that seems like a lot of education to have to go through. Uh, like, because you said graduate school as well, right? Yeah. A master's, and I did all of my doctorate except my dissertation. So, yeah, many, many years of schooling. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, you know, what does that entail? You know, like, what, like what all was included in that education? And um, what did you get from it? And how do you think it's, like, advanced from when you went through it to how it is right now? Wow, that's an interesting question. Um, As far as my own education, it was a Bachelor of Music, which had all the academics, but as well a a very high level and demanding performance uh, component and music theory. And the same thing for my master's, I had master's of performance. And then my doctorate I almost finished was um, performance and pedagogy. And when you're in music school you're constantly performing and of course because I'm a pianist I would also accompany other singers and and instrumentalists and I'm fascinated that I don't feel one minute of my education was wasted even though I'm not playing with orchestras right now I do chamber music concerts uh, fairly often at least before the pandemic I did and uh, in my work as music director at Unity of the Valley, I'm constantly getting to accompany singers and sometimes even instrumentalists. And 
all the, the years and years of study in music theory and sight reading and, and everything that I ever studied seems to definitely come together to help me through my times now. And I, I went through those years of schooling so long ago and then I started teaching at a college, and it was a small college, Monmouth University in New Jersey, and everybody was like family there. And I kind of forgot what the world of super high competitive, the super competitive, not so positive music world could be. And uh, I don't really, I'm not that in touch now with kids that are going through that now, but I have an idea. It is extremely competitive and extremely difficult, mm -hmm. and so my heart goes out to them. But... God bless them for hanging any, in there. Yeah, <laughs> for somebody who's going through that. Right yeah, now? just follow your heart. Work hard. Absolutely, work hard. But follow your heart and know that it's going to be okay. Uh -huh. That whatever you're going through now, you can use it. You can learn from the bad as well as from the good. And Definitely. not to pin your self worth on whether you missed two notes. You know, focus on connecting with your audience, connecting from the heart, and you'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Was there a moment like that for you? Like, because you said you used to, you know, pin your own self-worth to that. And um, like you now you said you're the complete opposite. What was the shifting point when, you know, you made that change? Well, in actually, your philosophy? I went through a divorce. And I had a lot of therapy. <laughs> I hadn't realized I was pinning my self-worth on those things. Mm -hmm. And that, that was quite helpful. And also, I some of the people I ran across, I actually met a pianist who was um, a guest performer at the Unitarian Universalist Meeting House in New Jersey. And she told me of her own life, of how she had gone through a tragic accident. Her child had been driving a speedboat with many people on board, and there was drinking and driving, and the boat had crashed, and everyone had died except her child. And it was just a devastating, devastating um, thing to happen. And everything shifted in her life after that. And then she changed her whole attitude whenever she went into a room to play. She would just think about every single person walking through that door. How can I bring comfort to this person? How can I help? And it took all of the emphasis away from her and onto helping others. And that was a pivotal point for me. I think I heard that and I took it in. I started to apply it and I started to apply it with my students. Mm -hmm. And it was revolutionary. It yeah, really helped. Definitely. Yeah. As I'm sure you're aware by now, music is an extremely substantial aspect of Laura's life. I wanted to take a few steps back and ask her what lies beyond music in her life and inquire on the things she's most passionate about. Here's what she had to say. Nature. Absolutely 100% nature. Um, I love Oregon. My husband and I live out in the country and we love to garden and hike and and do all sorts of things outdoors. And I do have a son also who's been a huge part of, a beautiful part of my life. He continues to be, of course. And uh, yeah, those family and nature are mostly the things that my life revolves around other than music. And they all three go together beautifully too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're obviously like kind of like a spiritual person, just, um, you know, in your philosophy of music and, and you know, having my experience with you as well. Um, what has been like your most spiritual experience in nature? Wow. Almost 
every experience in nature is a spiritual mm-hmm. experience. So that's hard to say. I yeah. don't think one more than the other. But I will say that moving to Oregon, totally enraptured with the water, the coast, the waterfalls, the creeks, the lakes here, and I call it water therapy. Um, so I do find a lot of comfort and um, it helps me to stay balanced and calm to go out into nature, especially near bodies of water. Yeah, that's really cool. I resonate with that a lot. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about um, your like spiritual philosophy for yourself and your life and um, what the benefit of spirituality has been you know, throughout your life? Sure. I... To, I, I guess I should have mentioned um, when I said the things that my life revolves around, spirituality is absolutely one of the pillars. Um, I am a person that believes in a very open philosophy that there are many paths to the top of the mountain, and I honor all of those paths. And that's why I'm thrilled to be the music director at Unity of the Valley, which also honors that belief system. And I... Uh, I do spend quite a lot of time listening to spiritual podcasts like the Ram Dass Here and Now uh, podcast. I, I listen to that almost daily. Um, uh, and Course in Miracles, things like that, mm-hmm. that basically are my spiritual sustenance throughout the week. And the whole idea of like, the Buddhist philosophy, all those things sort of intermingle to form this idea of... Oh, it's hard to, hard to fit into words. Um, just being in the moment, not being pulled into projection and anger, and seeing that the commonality in all people. I think that's one of the most important things in my life right now that is my dream to help our community to see that we are all connected and to listen to each other. And music can help do that because sometimes we get together with people that are of vastly, excuse me, vastly different political beliefs or spiritual beliefs, but we can share our love of music. And then that can help us to connect with each other and learn each other's stories and then start to move forward, realizing that we are all on the same team, basically, mm-hmm. instead of being polar opposites. Yeah. So often what's happening is people are just talking and telling and, yeah. and dictating. And if we stop and listen, mm-hmm. and I've even heard it said, if we learn to grieve together, if I can feel the sadness mm-hmm. of what you've gone through, then I can feel connected to you to see the divinity in the other rather than, than if you if you recognize the divinity in the other, then there's no way that you're, you can be against the other, that you have to see that common ground and you'll want to to help each other through rather than push away or close off to. Yeah. Not surprisingly, Laura and I return to the topic of music. This time, she provides words of encouragement for aspiring musicians and discussed her intentions of her talent. She describes her belief of utilizing music as a healing practice and how it can benefit the lives of people around us. Let's talk a little bit more about music because so often I meet people that love music and they really want to make music, but they've been told they can't. And I am of the belief that everybody can make music and that perhaps many people have had negative experiences because they've had teachers 
that were not with the positive reinforcement or they've had teachers that didn't understand their learning style. And so if you have music in your heart, I urge you to not let go of that dream and that there are teachers out there, there are different ways of making music out there, that everybody belongs in this world Mm -hmm. of harmony together. And if anybody's ever told you you can't play or you can't, you have no rhythm, if you can walk, you have rhythm. (laughs) Or if you can move your hands back and forth, you have rhythm. Um, If you can breathe, you have rhythm. So I would say that not to let go of your dream of making music if you have that in your heart. My mom was a third grade teacher, but then she retired from teaching to raise her children. My father was a surgeon, and I always admired my father and the work that he did healing people. And because he was a doctor that healed people that had been in car accidents, and he was an orthopedic surgeon, so people with broken bones or gunshot wounds, people would constantly come up to me and say, oh, your dad saved my life, or your dad you know, helped fix this or that or fix my son's arm. And I never, I always admired that. I never thought that I was in any kind of profession similar to his until I started to realize recently in my life that music is a huge healing instrument, um, a psychological and emotional healing agent. And the power of that has been impressed upon me more in a more and more strong way. I actually perform once a week at the hospital in the lobby. I play uh, soothing healing music uh, as people walk through and and we can imagine the kind of stress that the people going into the hospital now are having or the people working in the hospital are having. And I can't imagine anything that would give me more joy than to bring some kind of help to those people. And I know for myself, I can be in a dreadful state of mind or anxiety and music unlike anything has the ability to lift me out of that and so I think that is a really good way to help people who are suffering from anxiety depression loneliness all sorts of things is to get them involved in music Laura concluded our discussion by providing insight into her latest project that she's aspiring to work on as well as leaves us with her personal message to the audience I I'm very interested in bringing music, meditation and music to incarcerated people and families of incarcerated people. That's sort of one of the last areas that I haven't been able to get to quite yet. Mm -hmm. We have done some work uh, with Looking Glass uh, and some teens that are in programs there that's been highly rewarding. But I... That's something that calls out to my heart that I hope to continue working towards. Awesome. Yeah. The power of meditation and music to bring healing to the incarcerated people. Um, is there any specific reason that like, that's the group of people that you want to focus on? Or like, what? why that group? I guess I've always um, felt a lot for the underdog or someone that's been unjustly or or is in a very difficult situation and I understand that many people are incarcerated justly but there are also many people that couldn't afford the same lawyers as other people there's a lot of racial injustice in our world and there are a lot of incarcerated people that are you know they're trying really hard but society doesn't give them much of a chance Mm -hmm. so it I think that would be a beautiful way to use music to help 
Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great cause. And I, I agree with you that, you know, that kind of goes exactly with like your music is healing thing, you know, providing these opportunities to people who, you know, what you would assume to be like a pretty, um, not like the most happy or ideal life that you're living. So just to bring, you know, a sense of joy, wonder and hope to some, someone who's in that situation. Those are is, nice words. Uh-huh. I like that. Joy, wonder and hope. I'm going to keep yeah. that, Anthony. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, you know, that's very... Um, I'm sure that'll be fulfilling for you. Thank you. Yeah. And I'm sure that the people who are in that situation will benefit off of that as well. I hope so. Um, you know, you, you've given us a lot of wisdom, a lot of messages. Um, do you have anything that you would like to conclude with? And I always give people the opportunity to share their message with, um, the community. (sighs) Well, it's so funny that I don't think I've used this word the entire interview, but it's really all about love. (laughs) It's all about um, I know I've said a thousand times connecting from the heart, but it's all about it's about compassion and caring and music is one of the best tools that we have to to share those things mm-hmm. and one other little word of it like if I, I mentioned something about teaching um, if you are someone that is trying to create music and if you perform and you're unhappy with your performance, I would urge you to let that go and try again and try again and try again and it will get better. And that we all go through those phases. Even the most polished performers on earth have gone through those phases and everybody can get through them if you just keep trying and find the right guides to help you through. That's it for our show today. Special thanks to Laurie Dubois for coming on the show and sharing with us. If you'd like more information from the episode today, check the show notes below. We've got just two more episodes left in the first season, and I hope you've all enjoyed listening so far. I'm already busy in the works thinking of ways to improve the show next season and have hope to impress you with the advancements to come. The best way you can support our show is to share it with your friends and family. You can now subscribe to the show for just $4.99 a month. Your membership comes with various perks that I hope you'll find valuable. You can find that in the link tree. If you'd like to stay up to date with current episodes and projects, you can follow our show on all major social platforms at Uniquely Eugene. I look forward to sharing with you all next week. Until then, I wish you all the best and thank you for tuning in to the Uniquely Eugene podcast.